Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. Time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy, hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. Greetings, greetings. It's no longer greetings. Croutons. Grotons, crotons? No. <laughs> greetings, croutons. Greetings, my scrotons. <laughs> oh, yeah, you can tell it's, uh, it's deep into the shows now when uh, we're cracking open the... Uh, the Doppelbach and yep, <laughs> having a good old time. Indeed. What do we got lined up today? What we got lined up today is mm, tasty. Um, we're going to talk about uh, trademarks and uh, everything surrounding them. I mean, there's a lot of chatter about trademarks in the uh, yeah in the community from a you know and a lot of it from. I don't want to say, well, maybe I do want to say, a lot of it from positions of idiocy, where there's a lot of people out there who believe that, you know, they know what what, uh, should or shouldn't uh, be going on, you know. Oh, craft beer, you know, nobody should be trademarking anything because... It's all sharing, and it's all you know. <laughs> or, or well, you know, everyone should be you know very kumbaya, and you know, who, who uh, is making that argument? People are seriously making that well, argument. Pretty, yeah, 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 yeah. If you if you talk to anybody about trademark, then it's like, well, you're not you know in the spirit of craft beer. Well, I'll tell you, you know, perhaps ten, twenty years ago, that would be it would have been true, but. With the rapid pro- proliferation of uh, new breweries that are coming on, um, it's it's getting out of hand. Where you know you'll be building your brand, you're trying to sell a product, right? And then uh, right. you know, ten new breweries come in and they start using the same name that you've been using for you know five years or whatever. It's like, what do you do? Yeah, you know, where you can you, find you think you have a brand on tap at a restaurant uh-huh. or a bar, and right. find out it's actually somebody else's beer that's being sold. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that that becomes the problem. You go somewhere and you say, "Oh, I love that beer," you know, uh, Dick Snifter or whatever it might be, and uh, that's good. Yeah, you think I should use that? Trademark, yeah, trademark that man. Uh, and then uh, you realize you, you taste it, and you're like, "Oh, something's wrong with it." You know, this is this isn't. You know, I wonder what happened to that brewery. You know, this this is crap. This this dick snifter is is not fresh, and so uh, they rarely are. <laughs> well, they you know get that cheesy kind of character. Um, 
so you know it becomes an issue then for for the breweries and also you know somebody else starts building their brand under under dick snifter and and the original dick snifter and they start expanding their territories eventually they clash and then it's like well it's like the whole budweiser budvar thing you know it's like well right now nah, you can't sell that beer here in our area under that name you have to change the name to sell it here that's why the whole trademark thing exists it's like look i'm planning on building my business around this name i don't want to be stopped from using that name as i grow my business i trademark it right i'm trying to to protect my interests so nobody can stop me not a lot of times i think a lot of uh people who are are not fully aware of how businesses run (laughs) They're thinking, oh, you're trademarking it because you want to stop anyone else from using it. Uh, you know, I guess you could use it that way, but I think a lot of craft brewers are trademarking names so nobody stops them from using it. I know that's how, how we look at it. It's like, I don't I see, want to yeah. stop anybody yeah. else from doing what they want to do. And if somebody has, you know, uh, you know some, something important in it and they want to, you know, license it from me for nothing uh we could we could talk about that but i don't want to be putting effort into my building of interest in my brand and then somebody come and tell me ah you can't use that anymore sorry you know we're we're using that why didn't breweries care about it 20 years ago before the the modern craft beer boom uh you know there there weren't that many (laughs) well (laughs) but i know but, but don't you have to plan as if there will be isn't that the whole point exactly exactly so um, you know, one of the things we do, and I've mentioned this before, is we, we do a lot of uh, clearance on, on our names that we use, and we make sure nobody else is using them. And then we go ahead and we call our attorney and have, have our names trademarked. The whole purpose is so somebody doesn't stop us later on from using that name. That's our goal. I want, you know, I don't want to get an ugly call <laughs> somebody saying, Oh, dude, you can't use that. That's ours. Be like, oh, wow, I didn't bother to check. I didn't do a Google search. I, uh, you know, didn't, mm-hmm. uh, you know, bother to, you know, check the uh, uh, trademark office. I didn't, you know, do any of that stuff. And now the effort I've put into that is lost. Can't you just say, that's not very kumbaya of you? That's exactly what the response is. These people is like who can't bother to uh, search to see if a name is already in use. They're just like, well, come on, you know, that isn't very, very fair. It's like, well, choose another name. When you're starting something, choose a freaking name that's not in use. Yeah. Go there. Choose a name like Blickman Engineering, right? Right. <laughs> who who could be using that right now? Seems to me that that one's wide open for use. I think everybody should go ahead and use the name BlickmanEngineering.com. So I think there is an accounting firm, Blickman, Blickman, and Warner, but... Uh... <laughs> I thought that was a uh, uh, pornography company. <laughs> I may have, I porn, may have porn studio. confused, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, it's money. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> money money, and money shots. Well, I'll tell you what. You want a money shot for your brewing, you go, you get yourself some Blickman brewing equipment. You get yourself some, some Blickman engineering uh, to apply to your brew day. Uh, Blickman Engineering, and I'll tell you that every time I hang out with those guys, I'm just amazed at their creativity and uh, uh, innovation in um, 
just coming up with yeah. new ways to improve your brew day, innovate your brew day, make your your brewing process better. And, That's uh, right. Very amazing. Uh, great group of folks. And uh, if you ever get a chance, you're at the Homebrewers Conference or somewhere else, and you get a chance to meet the Blickman folks, do so. Engage them in conversation about what you do in your brew day, and uh, you'll be you'll be surprised at, at the insights that they have because they're all you know very interested in brewing. John Blickman he 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 brews he he knows he he uses this stuff. So uh, uh, check that brilliant guy out and uh, browse over to BlickmanEngineering.com and check out all that good stuff today. All right, let's see here. So back to the the subject at hand. We we're talking trademarks. So what I do, I bring in my good friend Brian, and uh, he happens to uh, be an attorney that knows everything about trademarks. So there you go. Well, thank you, Jim. Well, everything might be a bit, uh, well, maybe everything, sure. Uh, 99%. <laughs> sure. 90, 99.9%. I'll give you that. All right. Well, there you go. Well, uh, Brian, uh, introduce yourself to everybody, and... Uh, and uh, give them your uh, your uh, resume, uh, so to speak, about uh, trademarks. Tell them, tell them credentials. Your credentials. I should have brought my With diploma it out. in here. I could have held it in front of the webcam or something. Uh, I used to be an aerospace engineer way back in the day. Uh, went to uh, law school. Uh, became an intellectual property attorney. Spent a few years working at, at law firms. And since then have worked at a couple of companies here in the, the Bay Area. Right now, I'm at a, a company in Fremont that makes uh, phosphor for LED lighting. So if you have LED lights in the studio at some point, probably our stuff will be, be in there. Uh, and I've, I've done uh, patent and trademark uh, both for, uh, for quite some time. Mm-hmm. I can't believe you didn't... Uh, uh, you didn't bring the- us any phosphor. <laughs> some, free, some free phosphor. I mean, come on. Well, you know, I think that John would be very interested in that from a material science standpoint, but I'm not sure if just having a pile of it on the table would get us uh, very far in the show. <laughs> Aren't you supposed to ditch being an attorney if you're a beer guy? Like, oh, I used to be an attorney, but now I run a brewery. Yeah, that seems to be the career path, so uh, maybe someday. Just mm-hmm. hasn't happened yet. And, uh, yet being the operative word. I'll be saying yet when I'm 75. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you drinking from the bottle? What are you like an <laughs> animal <laughs> going for my hefe, man? And yes, I am an animal. Over there, Jeez. tried to drink Jamil's Doppelbox straight out of the bottle. Right. <laughs> Come on, man. Prevents Jamil from doing it. <laughs> There's other things I'll stick in that bottle. It's, it's the part a, of the show where everyone gonna, starts drinking out of the bottle. It's got a nice narrow opening. It's perfect for me. Uh, <clears throat> all right, so Brian, uh, uh, tell us, you know, what is a trademark? What, how, you know, what is it? You know, something I can hold? Is it a concept? Is it what? What is a trademark? Give us a, a definition. Trademark is intangible, so you can't hold it unless you print out that registration and cradle it in your arms. It's a word <laughs> or symbol or picture or something. That's uniquely identified with a good or a service that you sell. So the classic examples are Coca-Cola, uh, the Golden Arches from McDonald's, uh, the mm-hmm. Nike swoosh, mm-hmm. uh, things like that that we all see in day-to-day life. Okay, so what's the difference uh, between a trademark and a copyright? Copyright is a right to a particular creative work like a book or a movie or a CD 
mm-hmm. it stops somebody from actually fit outright copying uh, a chunk or all of that. Mm-hmm. Right? So that, that stops somebody from taking your book down to a, a Xerox machine mm-hmm. and scanning it all and then selling that. Mm-hmm. Right? A trademark has to do more with two things. It has to do with how you protect your brand, as you were saying earlier. Mm-hmm. It's something that you're going to invest money in this this concept mm-hmm. that you identify your goods or services with. And it's also consumer protection. And you alluded to that earlier, too, right? If I go to the store and I get Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, I expect a certain type of beer. I expect Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Mm-hmm. Uh, if somebody else is selling beer at the store, it's called Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, and I pour it, and it's black, and it smells bad, and it's like something that the jet ski out back would be would be uh, running on. You know, that's uh, uh, it. It's, it doesn't run. I, I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> well, I, I parked it behind it, it, so it doesn't I have it's wheels at this point. So. The uh, uh, so it, it it's a, it's a consumer protection thing mm-hmm. from that standpoint, mm-hmm. right? Consumers should get what the consumer expects right. to get. Well, now you mentioned Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, and right off my 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 uh, lawdar is is ringing. I'm thinking to myself, Sierra Nevada. It's a location. It's mountains. Uh, pale Ale is generic term, so that's not trademarkable, is it? They can't, they can't trademark Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, can they? Or maybe the combination words? They, they that, can. And uh, what you can do with that, uh, Pale Ale is purely descriptive. Mm-hmm. And, and we can, we'll get into this a little bit, little bit more detail like later can't, about you the can't process. But trademark the word brewery isn't really part of you. Like Heretic Brewing right. Company. Right. The brewing company is not part of the trademark really it's used in conjunction with the trademark which is heretic that's right you'll file an application for that and you'll get rejected on the grounds of brewing company being generic generic and and I, I can't trademark and you that. have to disclaim that yeah you're just saying it's part of the used in conjunction with the trademark right. not the, I, the thing you're trademarking right so to the extent ah. that you're trying to trademark say sierra nevada pale ale mm-hmm. the trademarkability of that has to do with sierra nevada is that Spanish for snowy mountains, which right. don't necessarily have anything to do with beer. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, and now, um, see, we're jumping ahead here, but uh, so uh, we're here in Martinez. If I tried to trademark Martinez Brewing Company, I'm, I'm pretty sure I couldn't because it's the lo- it's the name of the town. It's not something I've created. It's not a something... Uh, unique if another brewery were to form in martinez they could be martinez brewing company as well yeah you're going to have an uphill battle in terms of registering martinez brewing company uh for just those reasons right it's brewing company is generic or descriptive Mm -hmm. martinez is the location is Mm -hmm. going to be descriptive uh you can certainly use that name for your business you don't have to have a trademark right right. to Uh use that name for the business Uh uh-huh uh, but you can't protect that in case, you know, Bob from down the street decides to open up another Martinez Brewing Company. Now, over time, it can acquire what they call uh, a secondary meaning. It's an, acquired, uh, uh, it's an acquired characteristic where if it's the only brewing company in Martinez for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. and you 50 can show, years you've been brewing in Martinez. 50, you know, 5, 10, as long as you can show by some kind of uh, evidence, consumer surveys. And you're known... You know, across California as well. Oh, yeah, that Martinez Brewing Company. It's like Russian River Brewing Company. Yes. The problem is that you, that's an uphill battle to try to prove secondary meaning. 
Uh, and when you're a small brewer in particular, and you don't have a lot of money, you don't have a lot of time to deal with these kind of issues, uh, you know, it's it's a real uphill right. battle to go to an attorney, to go to a, a survey person, to gather the evidence you need to get to put in front of the trademark office and say, hey, this is a legitimate trademark that isn't just a descriptive name. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, so you, you want to try not to do that to yourself. And I think this is one of the... the, the, the an excellent point you make is, as a small brewer, the costs associated with this, you know, <laughs> yeah. why... Um, I look at it as, and you know, I'll answer a lot of my own questions on this because I've thought about this long and hard. Why spend the money to go through this whole process of trademarking? Because that costs money. It's not cheap. It's not free. But what you're doing is saving yourself money in the long run. When you go and start using a, you know, the name of a product that somebody else is already using, you're just heading for trouble or, you know, if you don't trademark it, you're heading for trouble as well. You're you're exposing yourself to to losing what you've worked for as well. Because well, my understanding, pre- if you if if you if you if I go ahead and start uh, come out with a name nobody else has ever used it before, I've checked. I go ahead and start using it in my local area, and I'm selling at my pub or at my brewery tasting room and then I'm selling to a few accounts around the area and I'm selling around my town. I'm selling around Fairfield. And then I've been doing this, let's say, 20 years and everybody in Fairfield and the surrounding area knows that that's my beer. You know, Dick Slicker or whatever it is is my beer. I think it was and the Dick Snifter. Dick Snifter is, is my beer. <laughs> and then, yeah, I, I've got I'm looking a forward to that. Yeah. Is that going to be like a rye? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> rye with cheese, very and yeasty. then uh, well, somebody you know, don't else. Don't you have this kind of same issue? I mean, there you <laughs> have Evil is, Twin, right? And isn't there well, an Evil Twin Brewing Company? Yeah. Let me finish my point. Somebody okay. else comes from the East Coast making Dick Snifter, and they're expanding rapidly, and then they they start flooding the West Coast with Dick Snifter. Um, they can use it everywhere. Except my little town where I've been selling it. If I can prove I've been selling it around that area, i got to be able to prove that, right? Yeah, that I had prior use in that area. And then they can't use it in that area. They should have Google searched my Dick Snifter award-winning beer. Right, and this is why you want to register your trademark. And just briefly, everyone has seen the R in the circle. Everyone has seen the TM. The rabble. Exactly. So you, is that what it's actually called? I've been doing this for 20 years, and I've never actually bothered to figure out what that symbol on the, the ASCII symbol for that is called. The rabble. Uh, I just, you know, I call it the R in the circle. Uh, R in the circle means you've applied for and received a federal trademark registration. TM means you're just using the name and you believe that it's your, your trademark. It's called a common law trademark. Mm-hmm. Uh, the advantage of a federal registration is that you have a line in the sand. You've got a filing date. You can prove it. You know, it's a government record. It's a registered trademark that says right there on, on there, hey, first date in commerce was X date. Uh, uh, you know, first uh, application date was Y date. You don't have to prove any of that. Mm-hmm. Okay? If you have a, a TM in that situation you were talking about with using your, your mark for 20 years in Fairfield in a very local area, you have to prove that. Mm-hmm. And... Man, you do not want to have to prove that. You have to prove first use. You have to prove that it was 
what area it was used in and that it's it's commonly known in that area that people that the consumer think when they think of dick snifter they think of your your cheese rye beer did did, did, did your did you keep those records from 20 years ago nobody right, right. keeps those records right. you're, you're five accountants on mm-hmm. you know nobody is working at the company that was working there 20 years ago trying to find it doesn't always sound like it's that big of a deal to find those kind of records. It can be a big deal to find records from 20 years ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think with the advance of the Internet and a lot of you know data being stored electronically, I think it might get easier. But again, why put yourself in that situation? And, and, and I want to emphasize the whole purpose of, of trademark, again, not to screw somebody else, to give yourself protection. That's all you're looking for. It's like, you know, I, I don't want you to stop me from, from you know, just working hard and, you know, doing my thing. It's, it's like insurance. It's like, you know, saying, you know, uh, here's what I'm working on. Let me do my thing, everybody. Uh, you know, let me, let me work on this. You, you know, go ahead and pick whatever name you want. <laughs> you work on that. And don't harsh my work. Yeah, unfortunately, I think a a lot of the perception is if you file a trademark, oh, you're you're not uh, you know playing fair. It's like, well, you're you know I'm I've chosen something that nobody else is using, using, and I I want to work on that. Let me let me you know, and that's that's all you're doing. And so I think. so you want to register this, and you there's a there's a patent trademark office that, that handles the registration for this. Is yes. that correct? And I want to I want to touch on that point you just made for a, a second, Jamil. Trademark is fundamentally defensive. Right, you mm-hmm. can't warehouse names. Right, you have to get a registered trademark. Yeah, you have, have to, to use it, it in commerce. Mm-hmm. Now you can file for something if you have a real intent to use it within three years. But that's a limited period of time. Yep. So you can't just go out and uh, file trademarks for 500 things you think somebody might. Uh, it's not like cyber squatting. Right? You can't just go out and get like <sighs> yeah, 500 web names. People should not be able to do that. That's bullshit, yeah. too. That, so, that is horrible. Yeah, that, that's a different topic. But nonetheless, you can't. It, it's not allowable to go out. I mean, the trademark office is going to look at you funny and probably sanction you if you go out and try to get 500 trademarks for things you're not actually going to use. Right. You have to actually use it in commerce to be able to assert it against somebody else, which means by by definition, mm-hmm. it's a defensive right. Mm-hmm. Have have there been examples of people who have tried to do that? Trademark 500 whatever? I mean, it's three years. It's a short period of time, but it's enough to extort somebody. Yeah, it, it's, it's happened, but that was a long time ago when Intent to Use first started. And uh, as I recall, there were some severe spankings back in the day, and people stopped doing that. I mean, it really is does seem, um, you know, like people are trying to, you know, they're, they're, there's always some bad trademarks and always some bad stuff that goes on in, uh, uh, you know, in software and things like that, copyrights and, and uh, patents. Uh, a lot of bad patents that get get approved, and then, you and know, patents are different because patents yep. can be more offensive. There's no requirement at law to actually practice your patent to be able to assert it against come up somebody. With the concept, right? And then you use that concept, and in, in the in the software world, there was a lot of people trying to, uh, you know, if you used, uh, there was one I worked in uh, a in software for quite a while. There was one where. If you they got a patent on using pictures along with words and sounds, 
And so they got a patent on that. So they wanted a dollar from every piece of software in the world or in the United States that used pictures and text and sound. We we can talk patents for hours on end they, as well. I mean, Maybe that's a later. Just, that's that's for the software that's, that's uh, the podcast, shit, yeah. I think. But that, that that's just insane to me. And so you know, the, 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 I, it seems to me in the in the trademark world, it's like, well, prove that you're using it. Prove that you're serious about this. Prove that nobody else has used this, and prove that you know this. Is, there's a reason for this to exist. You're trying to avoid confusion in the marketplace. We're right. trying to protect the consumer. Right. We're not trying to you know screw people over. So I, I, you know, I'm I'm on board with this now. Right. <clears throat> so, kind of walk me through those those first steps. I've come up with uh, Dick Snifter, and now how do I go about you know finding out if anybody else has used it? Uh, you know, how do I begin the registration process? Certainly. What, so do, I, what do I do? Skipper in the chat notes that um, the he did a U.S. trademark search, and Dick Snifter, in point of fact, is available. Uh, <laughs> Imagine that! I bet you people are like jumping on that right now. You, yeah. Jamel, you better you, at the break. You need to get on that mm-hmm. because someone's going to file for an intent to use before the show is up. You know that's going to happen. I know, I know. Except that's going to run afoul of something we'll talk about uh, later on. So uh, <laughs> the uh, first thing you want to do, like we were talking about before, uh, Google, Bing, Yahoo, just do an internet search. Mm-hmm. If it's a logo, like a picture, right. just type in. Hey, it's a tree with a halo over the top. Just type in that oh, into Google, Google is so wonderful and hit images. Yeah, and see if there's. And you might say, "Oh crap, there's like exactly my pop thing. and grenade." <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. are there, already are there trademark issues with yeah. a hop and a grenade? There you go. Uh, so you know, no, it's it's so easy to do, and really, it's easiest mm-hmm. from a pure business standpoint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sucks if the name that you had your heart set on is taken. But you want to know that as soon as possible before mm-hmm. you, you know, have T-shirts and kegs and right. a DBA and a TTB filings. You want to know all that out of the gate. The the names that I wanted for our brewery was taken. That's how I ended up with Heretic. Uh, I think I won. I think I came out with something <laughs> so much better than I was thinking. Have you said the, what was that original idea? Oh God, you know, no, no, okay. okay. So, uh, but you know, a lot of times it works out better for you in the long run so don't right. don't be afraid of finding out that you know a lot, i think a lot of times you know people are like ah, i don't want to know if anybody else is using it i'm just going to use it and just go and they'll have to stop me yeah don't don't do that yeah just you know just do a search and then you know figure out something else there's english has the most words of any language in the world there's two hundred and fifty thousand words available in the English language. You've got to be able to find something or make something up. Absolutely possible. All exactly. Right. Let's let's do this. Let's do a quick break. And when we come back, uh, I want you to continue explaining those steps. The Google searches first, and then, you know, where do we go from there? Back after this. When you hear Blickman Engineering, think innovation, passion, quality, and customer service. Blickman Gear is designed by brewers to give you a sense of pride in your equipment. At Blickman, they know what makes brewing a pain and build gear that makes it fun. Like the intuitive beer gun, a completely different approach to filling bottles. The Therminator Wart Chiller, a new take on a plate chiller that's sized for flow, performance, and the high groundwater temps homebrewers face every day. The Brewmometer, a brilliant weldless thermometer design with brewing parameters right on the dial. 
The Auto Sparge, ultimate simplicity for preventing an overflow or running your mash tun dry. And much more, like the modular top-tier brewing stand, conical fermenters, and their boiler maker brew pots. With more cutting-edge equipment coming soon, keep up with the latest from Blickman at BlickmanEngineering.com and stay on the cutting edge. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, more beer was behind it. More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. MoreBeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. MoreBeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to MoreBeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, more beer social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of the buzz, the forum, the learning center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters, this is Jamel Zanisha, and I love a bold, hoppy beer, one that spits resin in your face and makes you cry, Uncle. There are a lot of great hoppy beers out there, but at Heretic, we want to make something as bold, dank, and resiny as possible. We use hops at every chance we get, including multiple dry hop additions. The result is Heretic Evil Cousin. This light golden, 8% Imperial IPA has an easy malt character that helps take the edge off the massive bittering but it takes a back seat to the in-your-face hop character. We make sure this beer finishes dry so the hops can jump out and slam me in the taste buds. If you can't get enough hoppy goodness, Evil Cousin is your cup of tea. Cheers. That's it. I've had it. I am never putting hops in my beer again. What? Why? It's just too ridiculous. Insane prices, stupid contracts, high shipping costs, crappy selection. Dude, you need Nico Brew. Nico Brew will rock your f***ing face right the f*** off your f***ing skull. $5 shipping to all 50 states. Plus fantastic international rates get you low prices on Nico Brew's great selection of hops and more. Whether you're a home brewer, a pro brewer, or a home brew shop owner, Nico Brew can get you the hops you need in increments big and small, single orders, spot buys, or full contracts. And there's only one place to join the uber special secret elite bare bones club where you'll get the best deals anywhere. Holy f***ing shit! NicoBrew.com N-I-K-O-B-R-E-W Nico Brew, your bare bones buddy in the brewing business. What does craft beer mean to you? Is it a delicious way to support your town's local brewer? Or perhaps it's the perfect beverage to pair with those delicious meals at your favorite restaurant and at home. Regardless of whether you're thinking of pints or pairings, pilsners or porters, craftbeer.com is the site where craft beer lovers come together to learn and share. Craftbeer.com is brought to you by the Brewers Association and celebrates the best of American craft beer and its brewers. Craftbeer.com is the best place to find craft beer events 
events, recipes, great feature stories, the most up-to-date brewery listings, and resources for your next beer tasting or dinner, like style guidelines, pairing mats, and charts. Get the inside scoop on new beer releases and special events from today's craft beer insiders and chime in to share your own knowledge, perfect pairings, road trips, recipes, and more. Craftbeer.com, celebrating the best of American beer. All right, BN Army, it's trivia time. What's the only homebrew shop with over 1,000 recipe kits, $4.99 shipping on orders over 100 bucks, and is also home of the Wolf Shirt? The one and only answer is Austin Homebrew Supply. For over 20 years, they've specialized in creating recipes such as the best-selling Texas Blonde Ale, Apocalypso, Hot Bomb 2.0, and Double Chocolate Stout. And they just recently unveiled their small grain kits that produce one gallon of beer. Visit Austin Homebrew homebrew.com to browse their extensive catalog of equipment and ingredients. They also have many clone recipes of your favorite commercial beers. They're the exclusive retailer of Brew Vent Yeast Fuel as well, Yeast Nutrient, and the all-new Bodybuilder. Follow Austin Homebrew Supply on Google Plus to participate in video hangouts on popular brewing topics. So visit austinhomebrew.com today and make sure you sign up for their weekly email with news and specials. Austin Homebrew Supply, austinhomebrew.com. Learning to brew has never been so disgusting. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. We're being disgusting here with my good friend Brian and uh, our very soulful ginger in the uh, the studio, uh, Scott. <laughs> soulful? Yes. Would I grow a soul last night? No. What happened? No, but it was <laughs> it was hurting your feelings. Oh yeah, you're right. And my good, good dear friend, Mister Jean Palmer. All right. Uh, so we're talking about the steps. First step: so do Google search. Just do a Google search, and if it comes up, move on to something else. Yes, that's the easiest, cheapest time to move on. Is right at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. So your Google search, your Bing search comes up. Uh, no one has trademarked Dick Snifter yet. Great. So next thing you want to do is go to the website of the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. They uh, are a, a wonderful resource. They're the people that will actually review your application and grant you registration when it gets to be that time. But they have a great resource called TESS. So all you do, you go to USPTO.gov or just uh, search trade, U.S. Trademark Office. You'll get there. Very easy to find the page with the electronic resources. Uh, TESS stands for Trademark Electronic Search System. It's the uh, uh, infinite creativity of the federal government. Uh, and unlike other websites of the federal government, this one actually works pretty reliably and is uh, uh, pretty easy to use. Uh, click on test. It'll take you right to a search screen. And you can search. it By default, it'll search what they call combined word mark. So don't screw with that. Just leave, leave it as it is. Type in in the box for your mark, Dick Snifter, or you know, whatever else you want to search. Hop grenade. Hop uh, grenade. And then click on search. And what you'll get is a list of marks that include those terms. Well, if you get uh, like five hits for your uh, potential brewery name, uh, then that may not be necessarily a, a, a good thing for you. It may not be terrible. Mm-hmm. Now, what the trademark office does is they arrange goods in what are called classes. So every every 
conceivable good or service you can sell, believe it or not, is arranged in one of these classes. Beer is what they call class 32. So let's say you are are dead set on a particular name for your brewery, and it's fine on Google. You search in the trademark office, and it comes up. Registered trademark. Oh, crap. What do I do? Like Heretic Brewing, or Heretic. Yes. There are video games. Yes. There's sunglasses. There's Mm -hmm. a clothing line. Um, you know, a, a, a number of things. Right. But if it's a guy in Topeka who's running a cement mixing business right. in whatever class that is, you're going to be able to get your registration. Mm-hmm. And the, we, we are registered for, for Heretic for Beer. Exactly. Uh, and spirits. The thing with clothing you have to watch out for as a quick aside, uh, as I see you sitting here wearing your Heretic shirt, uh, is that a lot of breweries sell T-shirts and uh-huh. glassware along with beer. Uh, so if that is going to be a potential big revenue stream for you, uh, that may be something that's at risk if somebody has that mark uh, for apparel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that's not going to be, once you get up and running, that's not going to be a giant chunk of your, your revenue uh, anyway. Okay, so you've gotten you've gotten through your search. You found no one has it in Class 32 for beer. Uh, no one has it on, on Google. No one's got a, a, a website uh, cyber-squatting that name. You're ready to go. Okay, you want you, you're you're going to be serious about this this brewery name. You're filing your TTB paperwork. You know, don't file too soon, but don't file too late. You know, if you think you might be starting a brewery someday, you know, unless you're sitting down there with the TTB paperwork in your hand and you're filling it out, it's probably too soon to file your your trademark application. If you are at that point, you've got a bona fide intent to use that trademark. You're filing your TTB mm-hmm. papers. You're ready to get going. For us, it was um, I checked to see if the the uh, URL was available, the uh, domain name was available. I checked to see the corporate name was available. I checked to see that the trademark was available, and then I went for like all three at the same time. Yeah. So I started the trademark process. I well, first you, you get your corporate your corporation in order, and then you file you know for your trademark because it's it's in the the entity that owns the trademark would be the corporation. Yes. And then uh, uh, domain name, that's cheap and easy and do yes. that right. right away as well. So the uh, next thing to do is to file. Now, filing is actually relatively cheap. Filing, if you do it yourself electronically, is $275. Mm-hmm. Uh, you use the pre-filled category of beer. You can make up your own category. That costs you $375. You're making beer. Use beer. Save yourself $100. File it. Uh, they call uh, TEAS, is the, which, will, which will click on the trademark office website, TEAS. Uh, it may be scandalous and immoral in and of itself. Uh, and then you uh, go ahead and just fill out the, the forms, and, you, and you're, you're okay. Now, it, it would take you, as someone that's never done it before, probably quite a while to do that option that you have is to hire an attorney to do that for you. Usually an experienced trademark attorney isn't going to cost you a whole lot, uh, especially if they know you're a small business person and someone that might be with them for a while. It's not unusual to have someone do it for government fees plus, say, $100 or so. Mm-hmm. So, Jamil, you had an attorney do that for you. What was your thought process in having hiring an attorney to file as opposed to doing it yourself? Um. Yeah, one. Uh, lazy. I didn't. I didn't what? Lazy. Lazy. No. Um, yeah, I've got more money than than uh, uh, ability to do actually 
work. No. Um, my initial thought was, well, I don't want to screw it up. I don't want to miss out on some small little what seems insignificant to me that is actually a critical slight thing that could be important down the road. And right. uh, very lucky for me, I, I, I ran into an attorney uh, at a at a uh, craft beer meeting, and uh, she was just getting started out, and I was just getting started out, and she really knew her stuff. And I'm like, hey, wait a minute, this person knows what's going on, and I'm like, hey, I'll tell you what, I'll give you a shot. Help me with um, the trademark of Heretic, because we were... I. Actually, I started with an online service that didn't do really do dick for me other than fill out the form. Yeah, don't don't use those. Yeah, they 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 they're they're doing the opposite of what you want. Or not? They're they're filling out the form. They add no real as, value. As as as. Do you mean like probably, a faceless corporate entity kind of internet service, or do you mean as yes. a, a lawyer advertising online? They all suck. If they're advertising <laughs> online, they suck, right? And so, you know, the the they filled out the form probably with less mental capacity than I have at filling out the form. I would have done better. They're just doing a generic thing. So when some potential for confusion came up, I got a hold of, uh, you know, Candace Moon. I've heard of her. San Diego. Uh, craft beer attorney she uh i talked to her about it free advice just chat just chatting and she's like eh, no you, you just need to you know argue it this way and should be okay and so she i'm like look all right i'll give you a shot you know <laughs> i'm thinking no this isn't gonna work out but you know i give her give her a shot did great she you know our our trademark is is good no and you problem. know what? What Moscow was saying before about lawyers and uh, and brewers, we uh, we're pretty simpatico. Lawyers and brewers have a lot in common, and a lot of lawyers become brewers. Uh, at my uh, first law firm where I worked, uh, which shall go unnamed, even though they're out of business, uh, and one of my uh, one of the partners there in San Jose uh, represented a, a brewery in Sacramento. This is back in the nineties, uh-huh. and they paid in beer. So he <laughs> they, he just invoiced. They didn't, didn't even invoice them. On occasion, like three cases would magically appear uh-huh. uh, back in the uh, the back office, and that well, was, as long was pretty as cool. Taxes were paid. Yeah, that could be legal. Neither neither company probably is still around, so probably it's. Uh, <laughs> I guess <laughs> I could say, point. but I'd probably rather not. But 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 I'll say you know involving an attorney that understands trademark, understands what's going on, understands the beer business was invaluable was worth every freaking penny and again she didn't charge a whole lot like you're saying it was like eh, it was hardly anything and the ability to sleep at night was far (laughs) worth the the small amount of money that that was involved and you know i say this not just because i'm an attorney uh but because i think it's the right thing to do you want to get somebody involved out of the gate Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, really, at the end of the day, any person with reasonable intelligence can fill out that application form. Yes. Where you really need an attorney is when you get a rejection. Yes. Here's, here's what happens. Exactly. You file that's, your that's, application. It goes to the trademark to office. Exactly. Right. 
uh, someone at the the trademark office, what they call an examiner. It's an attorney, a government employee that works at the office. They somebody look who at doesn't it. know what they're doing. Exactly. I mean, I mean, somebody who's confused. I mean, somebody who is just following the... No. no. In, fair, in fairness to the good examiners at the trademark office, and there are usually pretty good examiners. Yes, yeah, good ones. Their, their process is they do just what I suggested. You they look Google at the, search. You Google search. Yeah. You look at the trademark office database, mm-hmm. and they come up with a yes or a no. Right. And if it's a yes, that's great. Just... They'll send you an email within three to six months of filing, mm-hmm. and if it's if it's allowed, just follow their directions, and you're good. And it takes frickin' forever, for one. It, it, it's funny, is to me, three to six months seems pretty short, but I live in this world, <laughs> so I know if, if you're trying yeah, to get a small business going, right, right. If, if, you, if you have deadlines and you're pouring concrete and stuff, right, six months right. is an eternity. Yeah. Well, and uh, so so really what uh, what the attorney does for you is... Argue your, your your case for you. Write up a, a response to the examiner saying, "Here is why there is no potential for confusion in the to the consumer in the marketplace. The consumer is not going to be confused between these. Let's say there's another uh, Dick Snifter product, it w- and it, it happens to be a uh, a fruit juice or something. There's Dick Snifter fruit juice." The, the 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 beauty of rye and cheese in a juice, and then there's the Dick Snifter beer. You're really selling that juice. That sounds good, right? right. And then the the you know your argument is look, beer and juice are not sold side by side. You know they're in different categories in the store. It's you know there's different logos. It's you know there's a right. bunch of fruit on this one. There's a giant phallic-shaped piece of cheese on this one, the, the consumer's not going to be confused. Exactly. So that's the, the two rejections you're going to get most often in craft beer. Uh, one of them is the same rejection you're going to get most often for any trademark in any industry, which is called likelihood of confusion. Mm-hmm. And this goes back to the idea that your trademark has to uniquely identify your goods and services and also the consumer protection aspect. They don't want to have you trademark something that's really close to something else and have the consumer be confused. Uh, so let's. It, this is where it, it's really hard sometimes for especially technical people who want a bright line to understand what likelihood of confusion is. A lot of times it comes down to how good of an argument you can make. Right? It doesn't. There's not necessarily a right answer. So let's just say as a thought experiment. I have a new I have a new brewery and I want to make some beer and I'm going to call it Heretical Ale. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that is there a con- likelihood of confusion between that and Heretic Brewing Company? Yeah, I'd I'd, I'd slap you into silly tomorrow. No, but Heretic mm-hmm. is a noun and Heretical is an adjective mm-hmm. and there's ale in there. Right, right. What what about a concrete example where the word is different, but there's still high likelihood of confusion, like Hydrox versus Oreos? They don't sound similar, but the packaging is the same, the cookie's the same, easily to confuse them. Well, that gets into more right. of a trade dress issue. Uh, so the, the name itself is very different. So you could trademark Hydrox for cookies. Mm-hmm. Now, whether it, you, the, the aspect you're talking about is they're making the packaging as similar as possible so as to confuse the customer, but that's what they call trade dress. Right, it might have the same type of plastic, the same colors, the same mm-hmm. font. That's a little little bit different. Different issue. issue. Okay. It's like if uh, I made a soda called Poopsie, and it was uh, <laughs> I used the, <laughs> the blue and red and white, and you know, it's like a circle with a swoosh through it. I suspect it would like, taste better than Pepsi. <laughs> well, yes. I, 
it could taste like poop. I don't know. Uh, well, and, um, you know, getting back to the heretical versus heretic, um, you know, if somebody had a heretical brewery and they'd been going for years and what I'd do is just go ahead and give them a license to use a heretical, you right. know, and, but if somebody's starting out and they're, you know, they're thinking, oh, you know, I'm going to capitalize on their success. I'd be like, screw you. Yeah. Go choose another name. You're just starting. Find something that nobody else is using. Go that way. You know, but you know. these are the kind of things that will come up during examination. right? It's, as we were talking about before, for example, juice with the same name. Mm-hmm. or And then you simply argue, hey, it's a different different class. There's no likelihood of confusion. No, but it's, it's funny. A lot of the factors, if it's, if it's different beer trademarks, there's factors like, well, how similar is the mark? What are the channels of commerce? Well, beer is all sold via either self-distributed or via distributors, all in the same channels of commerce. There's questions about, is the consumer sophisticated? Uh, if you're selling business to business, let's say you're Caterpillar and you're selling bulldozers, and they cost $200,000, you presume the customer is sophisticated mm-hmm. because the goods are really expensive, and you're selling to a, a purchasing person at a big you know, road company or something. And I'm thinking it's a video game or a... Right candy bar if the other end of that there's really only two real levels of sophistication by consumers one is the the professional you know high dollar hey it's business to business i'm buying mm-hmm. a business thing the other is just the regular american Seeing it consumer. on the shelf yeah and the trademark office presumes rightly or not the average american consumer is a complete idiot that uh, probably can read, maybe uh, <laughs> probably can read, maybe yes. has like a sixth grade education, and they especially for something like a six pack of beer, which is under twenty bucks, mm-hmm. you know, goods that are, are, are easily you know, on on a shelf. You might walk mm-hmm, by mm-hmm. and grab one by mistake. Uh, you're never going to win on sophistication of consumer at the trademark office when it comes to mm-hmm. this industry, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. just because of the way that it operates. Well, and you know the interesting thing is because. I think the craft beer consumer is much more educated, much more sophisticated, and much more able to discern the difference between the products. Yet, I think that the USPTO uh, is really just now realizing that, or, or, or they're, they're still somewhat mired in the concept that beer is... The dim-witted, blue-collar, you know, product of choice. It's like if you're drinking beer, you're really not that smart, so you're going to be confused. We need to protect you, type of I, thing. I don't disagree with a, a single single bit of that. Although I I, I think from you know I, I think they're starting to come along, and you know they're I, I would guarantee there's somebody there's people working at the USPTO that homebrew. And love craft beer. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, it, it's like any entity, large entity that, uh, you know, the government that is, you know, trying to modernize. They're like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah, there's not going to be a confusion here. You know, people realize that. You know, I, I think that's coming along. But, again, I, I think, you know, we struggle against beer as, a you know, a very base product. Yeah. I don't disagree with any of that. So we, let's say we go through all this stuff. We've had no li- likelihood of confusion. You know, we're in the trade in the, in the trademark office. 
no no mark even remotely like Dick Snifter because really why would there be? Uh, hey, and- that's quality quality brand. <laughs> DickSnifter.com already. So, so, yeah, it was during the break, I believe. Yes. So, you still get a rejection. So, what's up with that? That's the number two. Mm-hmm. And this is what happens a lot in the craft beer industry. Number two happens a lot? Well, in the well, yeah, that's the Oops, morning after. Really? But, number uh, one. Yeah. <laughs> that number one. happens a lot the day up. So, uh, there's a grounds of rejection uh, for scandalous and immoral subject matter. Okay. Mm-hmm. And sadly, Dick Snifter may well run afoul of that. And Dick is the name of a person. Yes, and that's that's Snifter the argument you is make. The name of a glass. That's the argument you make. Uh, but let's let's as an example Snifter. of Dick. Well, if I add the nest oh, there. Oh, okay. Dick Allowed. Snifter. Yes, exactly. You have a picture of the Snifter on the label. Picture of Dick. Exactly. A nice sort of distinguished older gentleman. Yes. Who, like Mr. Rogers, but his name is Dick. <laughs> And he's holding a snifter of of some wonderful barley wine. Exactly. Uh, Now you understand. So what happens, though, is in craft beer, people want to be edgy. And that's cool. It's marketing, right? Right. People want to do something. They want to push the envelope. They want to get attention. So you get things like, uh, for example, uh, the Velvet Merkin. Mm -hmm. I love that beer. It has a wonderful, wonderful oatmeal stout. Great name, too. Great name. Uh, Apparently, uh, as uh, as most of America learned... Fake bush. Yeah, it's like a pubic hair wig. Mm-hmm. I had no idea in the medieval times they would have such a thing where they would, I guess, what do you mean, have some need. Times? I'm wearing right, right now. I, that's, that's your own business, dude. Okay. When you've got <laughs> alopecia of the crotch, you, you need to uh, make up for it. Is it time for Jay Z's Medical Corner right now? I thought that was a different uh, different show that was, uh, was going on. Yes. yes. So sadly, what happened is someone at the trademark office uh, did a Google search for Merkin and realized, oh yes, that is a, uh, a medieval pubic hair wig thing. So why is that vulgar? You know, it's it's such a subjective thing. Yeah. Right. It's why is, for example, arrogant bastard not vulgar? And mm-hmm. it depends on who's examining. It depends on right. the culture at the time. Well, bastard well, what's, is acceptable in yes. conversation on the radio, things like that. Well, exactly. And, yeah. But that changes over time. And here's an example mm-hmm. that's you know current from, from the news. Washington Redskins. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, that was an allowable trademark. Nowadays. Yeah, right. that was totally uncontroversial and acceptable fifty years ago. Mm-hmm. Today, it's so offensive right. that they're having you know high level NFL talks about making him change that name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think if someone people have repeatedly over the years moved for cancellation of that trademark, right. and I think if they did it again, they'd probably, probably it would get not, it. it. Would not they would not get it because. Or, you mean as far as cancellation? Well, if you applied for the trademark today, it would be you know you would never, uh, it would get it would get rejected for right. being scandalous right. and immoral. Yeah, and it, Merkin. I mean, come on, is that really scandalous and immoral? Now, I, I mean, think it, it's it, silly it, myself. It, well, you know, um, uh, chastity belt. Oh my God! You know, would 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 that be you know immoral and scandalous? I think it's yeah. you know very similar. In a lot of ways, I mean, you know, how, how, you know, boy, we're such a Puritan uh, type of, uh, you know, very. Uh, it's a, there is a PC society. culture. Yeah. And the reality is, though. Well, it's not even if you're PC. Gonna... I mean, Merkin, there's no PC problem right. there. I mean, right. it's just people titillated by the fact that, oh, my God, somebody 
you know, had fake pubic hair. So, like, oh, but that's where it okay. comes down to if, if you're going to be edgy, if you're going to have yeah. some kind of brand name that might conceivably have something to do with, you know, sex or drugs <gasps> or. Sex. Well, you need to have a backup pubic plan. hair has nothing to do with sex. Well, here's uh, Lagunitas Chronic. Mm hmm. Right? right, right. They right. had to change their name to Censor. They had a cancellation proceeding because. Some, I'm sure, kindly 70-year-old gentleman at the trademark office saw the application for Chronic. Oh, there's nothing wrong with this. Allowed and sent it along. Uh, and later on, someone realized, oh, crap, that means weed. So uh, <laughs> there was a cancellation proceeding, and right. it was scandalous and immoral uh, uh, because it uh, had a, a, a weed reference. It's in, so in silly, the- though. It's only a weed reference if you decide it is. The word chronic yeah. can refer to an illness. You know, mm-hmm. it's, I, I'm not saying it's not silly. I'm just saying that's the kind of, it's where it comes down to what arguments you make and how persuasive you are, and whether yeah. the judge or the this examiner or whoever. This is why you need an attorney yes. on your side. Or a radio I, host. I agree. <laughs> right. Or, you know, and, and it's just, um, you know, how much do we really need to protect the uh, the American populace? Well, think and, of I the children, Jamil. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> Yes, my kid's scarred by that whole chronic thing, I think. Uh, anyway, let's go watch the Redskins game. All right. All right. Let's uh, let's take a short break. And we come back. I think the show's going to run extra long. Uh, you know, if you're if you're slamming it on a DVD on a CD, you need a couple, I think. Uh, uh, so just be prepared. Back after this. Hi, I'm Jason Harris, the proud owner here at Keystone Homebrew Supply. We're thrilled to be entering our 20th year of supplying this great industry. And to show you, the Brewing Network Army, how much we appreciate your support, we're offering you 10% off your first order on our website, keystonehomebrew.com. Just use coupon code BNARMY at checkout, and I'll get your order out the same day. My goal at Keystone Homebrew Supply has always been to have a complete supply of everything a brewer could want. When you place your order online or when you come into our store, it's our goal to have everything on your list and more. One aspect of KeystoneHomebrew.com that we're really excited about is the ability to fulfill customers' exact grain bills. Do you hate to wait? Keystone Homebrew Supply can get your precious yeast and hops to you within just one day if you live between Connecticut and Virginia and within two days east of the Mississippi. KeystoneHomebrew.com I'm Jason Harris and I approve this message. I-10, huh? Getting tired of that same old handcrafted beverages day after day? Are you looking for something with more diversity than your normal beer? Fellow BN Army member Michael Fairbrother, owner of Moonlight Meadery, is reviving an entire beverage category. Mead! The meads at Moonlight Meadery are all handcrafted from the finest honey on the market and are perfect for any occasion, like weddings, baby showers, or... Excuse me? Mead is not your average girly drink, mister, and Moonlight Meads can be enjoyed anytime, anywhere. Football games with the guys. Yeah. Barbecues with the guys. Yeah. Operating power tools with the guys. Yeah. Um, actually, sir, that's really dangerous. Good point, son. Next time you have something to celebrate or are just looking for a new tasting experience, pick up a bottle of mead from Moonlight Meadery. Now in 21 states, making over 60 varieties of mead from dry, semi-sweet to sweet. Break out of that craft beer law. Grab a bottle of Moonlight Mead. Can't find some? Then ask. No, make that demand some. Yeah! Tonight is the night. We bring the creature to life, Dr. Blitzkrankstein? Yes, J.P. Law. Everything is perfect for my next fermented creation. My father, the storm is too far away. We'll never have enough power to isomerize the creature's alpha acids. (laughs) 
Yes, JP4, we will. For I am in my position, the Tower of Power. Wickman's new Tower of Power is the evolution of automation. Control hot liquor, sparge, and mash temps like a pro. The Tower of Power is a high-quality gas-fired rim system that works with your current brewing setup. With ultra-precision, the tower can hold your mash to one-half of a degree Fahrenheit. Precision and repeatability. The Tower of Power is the answer to automatic, fast ramp times. See more at BlickmanEngineering.com. Bring your next creation to life with the Tower of Power. Dr. Blickman's time with the Tower of Power. You can probably give me an afternoon at the pub to enjoy a fight. Don't be silly, J.P. We have beer to brew. Are you a member of the American Homebrewers Association? Well, you should be. Members of the AHA can focus on brewing beer, and the AHA takes care of the rest. The American Homebrewers Association advocates on behalf of homebrewers like you to legalize the hobby in all 50 states and make sure that beer laws make sense. Plus, there are many great benefits that come with your AHA membership, like AHA member deals that give you awesome deals at bars, restaurants, breweries, and more. Zymer G Magazine and E. Zymergy for tons of articles, how-tos, easy-to-follow recipes, and news about the hobby you love, and access to the members-only content on homebrewersassociation.org. But the AHA can't do it without your support. Join today so the American Homebrewers Association can keep fighting for your homebrewing rights. Visit homebrewersassociation.org or join now from the homepage of the Brewing Network website. Relax. Don't worry. It's the American Homebrewers Association. A vial of White Labs yeast is the the key to your best beer. When you open a vial of White Labs yeast, you're giving your beer its best chance for a perfect fermentation. In addition to their already incredible variety of yeasts, White Labs is proud to announce WLP 90, San Diego's super yeast, now available year-round. WLP 90 is super clean, super fast fermenting, with low esters and has a neutral flavor and aroma profile. It's alcohol tolerant and highly flocculent. For more of the latest White Labs news, click over to whitelabs.com, where you can read reviews of yeast, learn in the lab section, and join the customer club. And if you should find yourself in San Diego, White Labs has a brand new training facility for craft brewers and home brewers alike. Whitelabs.com. Discover yeast, nutrients, enzymes, and more for commercial breweries, home brewers, and homebrew stores. White Labs. It's all in the vial. Hi, I'm Jamel Zanishef, and in addition to my work on the Brewing Network, I write the style profile column in every issue of Brew Your Own magazine. Hi, I'm Sean Paxton, and when I'm not prepping for the home-brewed chef on the Brewing Network, you can find me writing articles on how to cook with your homebrew for Brew Your Own magazine. Greetings, cretins. This is John Palmer, and when I'm not writing for Brew Your Own, I'm reading it. John Palmer, Sean Paxton, Jamil Zanishev. If you love listening to them on the Brewing Network, you'll love reading their articles, tips, and recipes in the pages of Brew Your Own magazine. Join Jamil, John, and Sean eight times a year in Brew Your Own. And when you subscribe to BYO on the Brewing Network website, half of your subscription price goes right back to the BN to support great beer and food programming. So sign up for Brew Your Own magazine through the BN website today so you can listen and read. Read your way to better homebrew. Back to your hosts, Jamil Zanashef and John Palmer. Putting the testicles in technical. This is Brew Strong. 
All right, let's get back to the case of the uh, dick snifter. All right, so we've gotten our registration for the dick uh-huh. snifter. Uh-huh. Uh, against all odds, uh, good lawyering and uh, a good argument. And oh, we had to change right it to dick beer. snifter. Yes. You may have had to maybe modify things a little bit. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe you had to add the glass. I don't know, but you've uh, you've got the dick snifter registration. So you're you're living large. You're shipping you know hundreds of thousands of cases of Dick Snifter all over the U.S. and the world. And uh, as a brief aside, trademarks are good in the country you apply for them. Uh, so your registration in the U.S. covers the U.S. Right. So somebody in Vancouver is making that Canadian Dick Snifter. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> Dick Snifter. you can't do a damn thing about it. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You have to apply there uh, as well. So if you plan uh, as a craft brewer to uh, distribute internationally, and some people do, mm-hmm. there are some advantages to doing that. Yeah, Jamil, I know you do that as well. Mm-hmm. There's some advantages to trying to get some trademark protection in some other countries uh, as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, you're, you're, sell- you're shipping lots of cases, you're just rolling in the cash, and somebody uh, sends you a letter, mm-hmm. or you receive a letter. Mm-hmm. And you get that, and the nasty gram has the usual contents of, hey, um... I've got uh, a mark just like that, or mm-hmm. your your mark. Is, uh, or you find somebody is, you know, you do one of these uh, Google searches, and it's like, wow, there's like 10 other dick snifters or dick yes. snifters. Yes, exactly. So I mean, it's possible you're going to end up as a plaintiff, which mm-hmm. is the, per- the party who says, hey, you're infringing my trademark, or as a defendant, mm-hmm. uh, where you find, despite your best efforts, and this can happen, despite your best efforts and despite trademark office searching, there may be someone who has a very similar mark, the uh, the dock snifter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not referring to the dock, but you know, maybe a dock in the water. Or mm-hmm. There's a picture mm-hmm. of a dock. It's very peaceful. Uh, and they send you a letter or they give you a phone call. So, uh, all disputes are different. Because the USPTO does not guarantee no. that nobody else is using something similar and there won't be an element of confusion. No. It's really up to you as the trademark holder to... Be vigilant as to infringements upon your trademark and to enforce your trademark. That, that's right. And it's in fairness to the trademark office, it's not possible to prove a negative. Right? And what you're a, trying to do is prove a negative that no one else is using that. Right. You can the, never really prove that. They're just a registry. Right. They're human beings, and it's a registry. And no matter how how hard and how much in good faith everyone works... You know, thing, things get by sometimes. Yeah, and the only th- the only advantage you have is saying, well, I am registered. That doesn't necessarily resolve everything, but it's a very powerful tool in proving your ability to use that mark. That's correct. And one other very important thing to keep in mind, when you have a registered trademark, that lets you sue, or I guess be sued, lets you sue in federal court. Mm-hmm. You don't have to prove uh, like you would if you had, say, a TM, mm-hmm. a non-registered trademark. Mm-hmm. You sue in state court. That judgment's only good in that state. Mm-hmm. You have to prove all those things. Oh, I used it beginning on this date. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is you know, all the stuff you don't have to prove anymore because mm-hmm. you applied for a, a federal trademark registration. You know, for the literally for the three hundred dollars it costs, it and all the other costs of starting a brewery and running a brewery. It is. It's really worthwhile for your, your brewery minimal. name. The, the, the cost it's of minimal. brewing a batch yeah. of beer, unless you're doing nano brewing and brewing a homebrew batch of beer, it, it's it's neg- negligible 
as far as the the cost of, of brewing beer now yeah that's but, right but but you mentioned the advantage of being able to sue in federal court and do you really want to do that is that your your i mean do you just oh, like God, go no. out and nail somebody to the wall and no, you know you do not want to begin and it's 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 a dick move and it's also not productive from a business standpoint that's your your last hope your, oh, yes. your your last move is to actually sue somebody, right? Don't you? you oh yeah. You start out. How, how do? You, how would you recommend people start out with this sort of thing? So I, I th- typically how this happens and how it should happen if you're the trademark holder, you know, just call up. I and mean, this is this has happened. Pick I don't know how phone. many times. Pick up the phone and call you the the call. head brewer mm-hmm. at your the other brewery. The head right. brewer maybe probably is the owner or knows the owner. I've done this a few times. Yeah, where. Our attorney actually lets us know when something comes up. Says, "Oh, there's a brewery. They're brewing a Heretic IPA." It's like, oh, I hate these calls because they didn't check. Right? They didn't bother checking, and I hate these calls because I don't want to tell somebody not to do something. I just want to make beer. I like to sit on my couch. <laughs> I like to watch football. I like those things too. Yes. Um, but then they'll, they'll give me the information, and our attorney's like, if you want me to, I'll call them. I'm like, no. And then the, our attorney's like, you know, you really want to call them yourself. You don't want me calling them. No, I, that's, 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 that's really good advice, right. because the second you get the lawyer involved, people everyone's... People get all funky, yeah. Yeah, people get funky. If the somebody, walls go up, it becomes it escalates if, way beyond where it should early on. If somebody won't talk to me and won't be fair... Then I'm gonna like let the attorney slap them into the ground. Yes, but um, you know what? What I do is I call them up. I go, hey, you know this is this is Jamel calling from Heretic Brewing Company. Um, Ever heard of us? I, I noticed. <laughs> I noticed that you're starting to sell this uh, Heretic IPA. Um, for us, Heretic is a is you know the core of our brand and our brand recognition. You know, is that something important to you, too? Um, and most of the time we go, no, not at all. We just came up with a name. Uh, I'm like, if you don't mind, could you choose another name for that? Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah. Who cares? You know, 90% of the batch. time. Yeah. You know, 95% of the time, whether right. you're getting that phone call or making that phone call, it's yeah. an innocent mistake. And people well, are happy to kind of do yeah. Brewer's Code and say, right. you know what, that's that's cool. Let's how can we work this out? You'll work it out. Yeah, and, and I, the the thing is, I, the people getting the call, you shouldn't be freaking out that somebody's calling you and trying to work it out with you. Right. You know, and, you know, and some people get a little indignant and they're like, well, all right, if you insist on using that for yourself. It's like, yeah, I pretty much built my entire company around that. Uh, well, well, here's what ha- people, it's a small business. Uh-huh. And people don't understand in small business a lot of the time that it's business. And they take these things super personally. And maybe they're in the right. wrong, but they, they wrapped up a whole bunch of themselves and invested right. a lot of mm-hmm. you know, heart and soul in a particular thing without, and, and then they can't do it. And suddenly it's a personal affront. And the yep. thing to keep in mind is it's not personal. Yep. It's a business. Yep. You have to make the business calculations in this. Someone calls you about well, a seasonal beer that you sell, you know, 15 kegs of a year. 
you know, are you really going to have a dispute over something that gives you, you know, maybe 10K of revenue or for well, another, another example? I contacted like a home brewer who was doing a nano and actually hadn't brewed any beer yet mm-hmm. and had just put it on their website that they were planning on brewing this beer and they got a little miffed. <laughs> I'm like, well, dude, you haven't even brewed the beer yet. You did them a favor. You put it on your website. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. You know, and, and people get a little bent out of shape that you're contacting them. You have to. If yes. you have a trademark, if you do not enforce your trademark, and enforcement is not um, suing people. Enforcement's not um, denying people the use necessarily. Enforcement is straightening things out with everybody else who's trying to use something that is confusing to the consumer. Yes. That is your enforcement. You you if you don't do that, you lose your trademark or your your you could possibly lose your trademark in 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 court. Somebody, you know, it, if I didn't follow up with people who are trying to use heretic in beer and say, "Hey, you know, is that important to you?" and they're like, "No, no big deal. I I really don't care. We're just trying to come up with a random name. I'll come up with something else." If I didn't do that, and I let these, you know, 20, 30 little brew pubs start to sell a heretic beer. Somebody, some, you know, Anheuser-Busch, not that they would, but, you know, if they should decide they wanted to do a heretic beer and then say, sorry, your trademark's invalid because look at all these other places. that That's that exactly have. right. And, and that's, they, that's the most galling just, is when someone that suddenly takes your brand name and it blows up for them. And they argue, oh, no, no, it's, uh, it, this should belong to us because this other person who owned it first didn't enforce it. Right. They didn't and use it as a we've trademark. we've made more of it. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're doing more with it, and they, they never contacted us. Right. So yeah. you, you want to, but the, the key principle here is you don't need to sue out of the gate. You don't mm-hmm. want to sue out of the gate. You want to call people. Yeah. Next step. Work it out. You send the kumbaya. nasty ground. There's the kumbaya is eh. just calling and talking. Yes. That's, that's the that's kumbaya. Correct. And that's, you know, most, most of the time, most brewers are willing to you know, make a course change. Sometimes mm-hmm. they aren't. Then that's when you start having to have your lawyer send a letter. Right. You know, people aren't used to getting letters from lawyers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get a letter from a lawyer and you're threatening some things. That gets people's attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a plaintiff, that's good. As a defendant, the thing to keep in mind, you don't ha- especially if you get a letter the first thing, if nobody's bothered to call you, and this is the dick move. Never just send a letter. Call somebody. We were mm-hmm, just talking mm-hmm. about. So you get a letter in the mail. Hey, I have this mark, and I think you're confusing. Uh, don't respond to the lawyer first. Respond mm-hmm. to the actual brewer. Respond to the owner of the company. Even if have you that get talk. A contact from an attorney. Yeah, don't you don't have just because they ask you for. You need to tell us. You know how what's our how, what was your yearly sales volume last year? What do you what is your inventory? You don't need to respond to any of that. Well, I don't know if I can say, say this story or not. I think I can. Um, I'm not your attorney, so go ahead. I, I don't. I don't want to get in, uh, anyone in trouble. No, I think it's okay. We'll cut it out in post. Okay. All right. So this <laughs> that is just always between happens. the three of us. All right. Um, no one's listening. Uh, Nebraska Brewing. They came out with a Menage a Trois. Um, beer that was aged in chardonnay barrels a fantastic beer it, it got a silver at gabf one year and i think it's just brilliant and um they there was a a winery 
that had a menage a trois, uh, like Chardonnay wine. Hmm. That's good wine. I've had that. I I could see that as, you know, perhaps confusing because it was in a champagne bottle that they were doing. Right. And, you know, it mentioned Chardonnay on the label. I, I, I could kind of see that. And so, you know, the big, big winery is like, well, here's our attorney, you know, have our attorney send it because they don't have people to do that. It's like, you know, are you going to have, you know, Steve in accounting send it to him or, you know, <laughs> it, 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 you know, you, you have the attorney do it when you're that big. Right. But they sent it, and they're like, well, here's the thing, and I think Nebraska, they get their attorney involved, and then, like, attorney fees just ratchet up. I mean, oh yeah, your attorney has to do work. They should get paid for that. You know, a lot of times people get kind of freaked out that attorneys should get paid doing, writing letters and talking on the phone, but that's what they get paid for, that, you know... Um, and so, like, you know, you're running out of money doing this, and you're just screwing both companies by, you know, ratcheting up fees. It's not the fault of the attorneys. They're being told to do this. Yeah. When probably uh, a know, label change. Trying to feed their kids. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, uh, Paul, the uh, the owner of, uh, or, you know, the head of, or, you know, part of uh, Nebraska, he's like, ah, I'll just call him. <laughs> Just good called idea. him and he's like, "Hey, you know, let's just work something out." So they worked they worked out a deal where he's like, "Look, I'll send you some beer, and we'll change the name slightly, and everybody will be happy, right?" And sure enough, done deal. They're all they're all squared away. So a lot of times, just talking and 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 not talking for a place where you feel like you're being screwed, but a, a place where you feel like. All right, let's just work it out and figure out something where everybody's happy. And I think that's most most people holding the trademark. The vast majority and the vast majority of trademark attorneys are looking at let's just work something out where everybody's happy. The consumer's not confused. You're not treading R and R brand or trying to leech off of our brand, or you know you're not trying to crush us. Let's all just get along happy. There's the right. kumbaya is just everybody talking. Let's just conduct business. And right. that's, you know, when you start talking about litigation, you know, I had a, a similar story from the first company I worked at in the Bay Area where we had a trademark dispute with a company in Minnesota. Uh, I handled it all myself. I was an employee of the company. It didn't mm-hmm. cost the company anything more than my usual salary. The other side had outside counsel. They probably spent $25,000 on something we eventually resolved with a couple of phone calls that we were happy to make a very minor change to a couple of things. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, because you start talking about lawsuits, sometimes you have to go to the point of filing a complaint. Sure. Nobody sure. likes to do it. Right. Uh, sometimes when you prepare the complaint, you file it, you serve it on somebody, that really gets their attention. Maybe mm-hmm. they weren't willing to talk to you a lot before, just to sit down at the table for a lawsuit is going to cost you twenty five, thirty thousand right. dollars, and that right that right there is probably, especially for like a specialty or a seasonal beer, that's your. I, I got to believe that's got to be your profit or greatly more than your profit well, for a lot of those beers. I, I've got I've got Jay Z's money saving corner for, for you here. Uh, one, bust one that thing, out! I want to hear about Jay Z's money saving corner. One thing I one thing or you know cost the other guy money uh, corner. One thing I learned early on was you can call somebody up no matter what, whether you're trying to get out of debt, when you're 
trying to deal with the government, when you're trying to deal with uh, somebody else, and uh, they're threatening you with a lawsuit, you call them up and you say, Hi, I'm representing, uh, you know, Dick Snifter products, and uh, I want to talk to you about, you know, whatever. You know, it could be just you and your nanobrewery, and by saying you're representing, they assume that you're their attorney, right? You have not said you're their attorney. As long as you're not making a material you're, misstatement of fact, right. which you you're are, not, you are you're representing. Okay. If yeah. you're you're the sole owner, proprietor, whatever, I'm representing uh, Dick Snifter. Yeah, <laughs> and they everyone immediately assumes they're talking to some attorney somewhere, <laughs> and. They change their tune immediately. They they say, all of a sudden they're willing to deal. They're, they, they, they're thinking, okay, you know, and, and if you want to do like a 10 cents on the dollar, you want to do a, you know, whatever it is. And you and, and if you're dealing with a, a law firm on the other end that's billing by the hour, which they have every right to do. Right. I mean, really, they're, they're doing their work and that's what you pay for. Um but you can keep calling them. You can keep racking up the hours on the other end. You can really make the other side see where it's worth, you know, negotiating with you and not playing exactly. hardball. So you don't necessarily need an attorney. I recommend one because they actually have the experience to resolve things much more quickly. If you get the right one, these giant uh, law firms move yes i think they will cost you a fortune get get the the sole proprietor or person working in a small two three person office that's what you want those people understand small business understand let's resolve this efficiently in the the best interests of everyone involved at the lowest cost the least billable hours let's just get this done here's and and often they'll just lead off with and that's, here's, that's here's, finding a lawyer is so difficult yeah. because people aren't used. It's like finding a contractor, right? Mm-hmm. You're not used to working with folks. There's you don't even know where to start. There's contractors that will screw you. Oh yeah, they're looking for maximum billable hours. Yep. And then there's contractors just like, look, buddy, you, you don't want to do that, right? Here's your your best bet. And there's attorneys that will do that too. There's lots of great attorneys. So the thing is just to a- ask around, right? Yes. Find someone who you know and respect who's used someone. Yep. Say, hey, who do you recommend? Don't call the first bus bench phone number you see or just call someone out of the yellow pages. You know, it's easy to find a referral, find your buddy or someone you've heard of, and just, just ask. And people are happy to share that information. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Speaking of sharing information, I don't know, Brian, are you an AHA member? I am an AHA member. I've been for almost 20 years. Wow. Pressed more than 20 years. Wow. That's a, you know, I happen to be a lifetime member. I don't know. If, I don't I'm know. not sure how much lifetime I've got left, so I, I always kind of make that calculation yeah. when I'm going to send that check. You're probably going to do better uh, than I will. <laughs> uh, I don't think I'm going to collect on that. But, uh, you know, the AHA, it's worth being a member for 20-some-odd years. You oh, have yeah. helped fund the... Uh, illegalization of homebrew in 50 states. You've helped fund, uh, you know, the the interest in homebrewing. You've helped fund uh, a lot of uh, 
information for homebrewers. You've helped fund the the Zymergy magazine, the the AHA rallies, the how you know teach a friend a homebrew day, the Mead Day, a lot of you know. It's all great, great things. You've helped Gary Glass buy Bic razors for his head. <laughs> right, right. Keep that head shaved. Um, it's shiny. Right. He keeps nothing polished like a cue ball. Gary uh, no. is wonderful. <laughs> Why are we hacking on Gary? You started it. I, I didn't start it. It was the, the soulful ginger I over here. I love Gary. No, it's I. We yeah, think because yeah. we love. And he has a great sense of humor. Um, no, uh, I think it's a great organization worth worth supporting. And so if you, if you have the, the time, if you have the wherewithal, I suggest going to thebrewingnetwork.com, clicking on that AHA logo, signing up. A little slice goes back to the Brewing Network, so you help support shows like this, and you help support an organization that's looking out for homebrewers, and we really need that. There's a lot of very uh, prohibitionist type of mentality going on sometimes in government and keeping an eye on that i tell you it's going to protect your home brewing rights so uh support the aha all right let's take a short break when we come back we will uh, wrap up with uh uh no we we're like way behind uh yeah no we'll wrap up with uh brian and uh, uh more trademark after this there's an app on the iphone for just about everything including beer apps for finding a pint of beer apps that look like you're drinking a pint of beer and now there's an app for brewing a pint of beer introducing BrewPal, the most all-inclusive beer brewing app for professionals and hobbyists that fits in your pocket and goes wherever you do recipe formulation that can be imported and exported with a customizable database mash and sparge calculations yeast pitching rates carbonation tables, and more. Available right now for less coin than a pound of grain. See BrewPal in action at brewpal.info and download it for your iPhone at a special introductory price right now. BrewPal, all the brewing software you need right in your pocket. Tonight is the night. We bring the creature to life, Dr. Blitzkrankstein. Yes, J.P. Gore. Everything is perfect for my next fermented creation. My father, the storm is too far away. We'll never have enough power to isomerize the creature's alpha acid. <laughs> yes, J.P. Gore. We will. For I have in my possession the Tower of Power. Blickman's new Tower of Power is the evolution of automation. Control hot liquor, sparge, and mash temps like a pro. The Tower of Power is a high-quality gas-fired rim system that works with your current brewing setup. With ultra-precision, the tower can hold your mash to one-half of a degree Fahrenheit. Precision and repeatability. The Tower of Power is the answer to automatic, fast ramp times. See more at BlickmanEngineering.com. Bring your next creation to life with the Tower of Power. Dr. Blickman's with the Tower of Power, you can probably give me an afternoon at the pub to enjoy a pint. Don't be silly, J.P. Gore. We have beer to brew. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. 
I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for any beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone certification program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerone's no beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerones are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious, Cicerones are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. All right, BN Army, it's trivia time. What's the only homebrew shop with over 1,000 recipe kits? $4.99 shipping on orders over 100 bucks, and is also home of the Wolf Shirt. The one and only answer is Austin Homebrew Supply. For over 20 years, they've specialized in creating recipes such as the best-selling Texas Blonde Ale, Apocalypso, Hot Bomb 2.0, and Double Chocolate Stout. And they just recently unveiled their small grain kits that produce one gallon of beer. Visit AustinHomebrew.com to browse their extensive catalog of equipment and ingredients. They also have many clone recipes of your favorite commercial beers. They're the exclusive retailer of Brew Vent Yeast Fuel as well, Yeast Nutrient, and the all-new Bodybuilder. Follow Austin Homebrew Supply on Google Plus to participate in video hangouts on popular brewing topics. So visit AustinHomebrew.com today and make sure you sign up for their weekly email with news and specials. Austin Homebrew Supply, AustinHomebrew.com. One of the last things many brewers try to master is the ingredient that makes up most of their beer, water. Brewers Publications is pleased to announce Water, a comprehensive guide for brewers of all levels by how-to-brew author John Palmer and professional brewer Colin Kaminsky. Hi, I'm John Palmer. This book is the result of many years of asking the tough questions about water to professional brewers and brewing scientists, and we are very pleased with how it turned out. It's the first book that is solely about water treatment throughout the brewing process. The book is intended for all brewers, from home brewers for professionals and we hope you like it from how to read a water report to treating your wastewater and everything in between water is the comprehensive guide you've always wanted on brewing's least understood ingredient flavor contributions water chemistry and adjusting water to styles of beer john and colin will teach you everything you need to know water is available from brewerspublications.com and fine brewing booksellers near you take the mystery out of your brewing water visit brewerspublications.com for your copy of water today Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and the freshest ingredients, backed by the best customer service in the business. New items include the Big Oxygen Kit for economical wart aeration using common welding oxygen tanks and the Unistat line of external thermostats for easy control of both electric heaters and refrigerators. In addition, They've just mashed their new oatmeal stout malt extract. So you can make those tasty winter oatmeal stouts and porters without mashing. Go to williamsbrewing.com today and browse their vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 4 p.m. Pacific Time weekdays ship the same day. Brewing is easy. The Williams way. 
Mojo's, where everyone is welcome, especially if you like drinking and tasting beer. Head brewer Colin Kaminsky's favorite beers are the Tantric IPA and the Double Secret Probation IPA. But you'll have loads of others to choose from when you redeem your exclusive Brewing Network savings. Downtown Joe's is the best brewery destination and the hottest night spot in Napa. Colin invites all homebrewers and fans of craft beer to stop by and enjoy the great food and beer. Whether you're in the mood for riverside dining, live music, or just hanging out at the bar to meet a person of the opposite sex or a person of the same sex, Downtown Joe's has exactly what you're looking for. And now just mention the Brewing Network to receive a dollar off your beer at Downtown Joe's. That's right, take a dollar off every one of their great selection of craft beers, including the Lazy Summer Wheat, Golden Thistle Porter, and the Triple Dog Dare You. Come to Downtown Joe's and enjoy the laid-back atmosphere of Napa's best brew pub. Visit downtownjoes.com right now for current beers, the live music schedule, or to drool over their delicious menu items. Downtown Joe's, your neighborhood brew pub where everyone is welcome. A few things happened 30 years ago. ARPANET migrated to TCPIP and the internet was born. Revenge of the Jedi was renamed Return of the Jedi and opened in theaters. Mila Kunis and Emily Blunt were born, beginning a rad fantasy in my mind. But all of that pales next to the fact that HopTech opened its doors and began blowing homebrewers right out of their mash tuns. HopTech doesn't fuck around. Real people shipping awesome shit straight to you. Their new website is fast and easy to navigate. Or just call 800-379-4677 and let badass bitch Jade and Bruin brother Roberto blow their warm load of customer service all over you. So visit the site or visit the store in Dublin, California and support those that support you. Get your brewing on at hoptech.com. Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. Which reminds me, you know, John. Yeah. One of my favorites. One of my most enjoyable things is browsing at adamandeve.com. <laughs> Many a diverting hour spent there. Right. Well, and especially if you use the offer code Jamil, J-A-M-I-L, at adamandeve.com, you're going to buy yourself one item. You choose one item. They've got thousands, many thousands of items. And, you know, depending on whatever it is you like to do, depending on whoever your partner is, doesn't matter, uh, as, as long as they're consenting and over 18. Uh, That's right, Mark. What about a 19-year-old goat? <laughs> right. Well, as long as the goat's Goats over, don't over 18. Long. <laughs> as long as, as, long as uh, you know, your, your partner's consenting. Uh, doesn't matter what, they've got something that will fit the bill. And even if you don't have a partner. That's true. Uh, speaking of Scott, even if you don't have a partner, uh, they have uh, a ton of stuff to make it quite enjoyable. So uh, check it out, adamandeve.com. Use the offer code Jamel, J-A-M-I-L. You're going to get 50% off that fleshlight. You're going to get 50% off that uh, that uh, uh, green jello. So that's uh, the only thing you have experienced. With yeah, I actually don't know anything else. <laughs> that, that dildo, that uh, butt plug, or, or whatever it might be, that uh, you're going to pick up fifty percent off on on a you know a triple lot butt plug. 
and then that's the only thing you're going to pay for. You're going to get yourself three free adult DVDs of your choosing. You're going to get, you can choose from categories like anal, amateur, uh, uh, busty. I don't know why anybody needs any category other than busty. What if you want anal, amateur, busty MILFs? MILFs? That's there. How come come you can't combine them? I don't want to be limited to just one. Busty lawyers. I think if you you find something that is, find a DVD, check each category. And then you see the same DVD in all those categories, you know it's got all of that. And I think that's, I think Busty, Amateur, uh, Big Butted MILFs, I, I'm thinking that's, I, I, now you're talking my language you should trade. You should trademark it. Right? I think we trademark it along with uh, Dick Snifter. Um, and then, uh, so you, you, you get three of those DVDs and, uh, for free, and then you're going to get a free extra gift. And then you're going to get free shipping. Like I said, you buy one item at half price. You get all that other stuff for free. Amazing. And I'll tell you the trick here. You go in and you use a different ID each time. You get it. it. I mean, you can get yourself a nice substantial collection for the next time. You're either by yourself or with somebody. You, you got plenty. So I can get the entire First Time Rump Humpers series uh, that way, <laughs> like, for free. <laughs> that is quite a big series, but I think, I think you know, there's like 12 editions in that one. One of the funniest things I ever saw is uh, <laughs> First Time Rump Humpers, Volume 2. First time. Isn't it kind of like the never-ending story part? To, I mean, come on! It's they're the first time. It's a new cast. Yeah, it's like the second <laughs> time. Hey, but hey, I don't, hey. I don't get it. <laughs> all right, all right. So go check them out, AdamandEve.com. Uh, they even have a mobile site. Uh, use the offer code Jamil J A M I L. Buy that one one item, fifty percent. You get all that other stuff free. Uh, check them out. Great, great longtime sponsor. Been with us. Been with us a long time. Uh, many years. They love you, long time. They, they love me. They they've loved us a long time. All right. Uh, let's see here. Uh, a couple of things. One, um, John brought up uh, uh, the Evil Twin, Evil Twin Brewery. So we had been using Evil Twin here in the U.S., uh, trademark on that. I had uh, come up with the Evil Twin name in relation to beer uh, back in 96 or so. And so we, you know, we trademarked that. It, was, it, it is our flagship beer. Mm-hmm. Well, it's great a great beer. A brewery in uh, Denmark or wherever, um, uh, where uh, uh, one guy is a, a twin of the other, and so he came up with Evil Twin Brewing Company, and they came to the United States and started wanting to sell in the, in the U.S. Well, you know, you have to defend your trademark. You have to, you know, keep an eye on, on what's going on in the marketplace. So our first thought was, that's fine, um, but we have to license it to you. We can't just mm-hmm. let you do it. We have to give you a license. So we didn't think there would be a confusion necessarily because it's Evil Twin Brewing Company. We asked them to make the word brewing company as big as Evil Twin. Right. And yet you and I were talking at the break that I, I had uh, right, there is confusion, experience yeah. I had right. going to a bar where I had a friend that posted on Facebook, hey, there's Evil Twin at this place. Right. And I get there, and 
it was good beer, but it wasn't the heretic evil twin that I was looking forward to. It was right when Heretic first opened. It was Evil Twin Brewing Company. So I, I had actual confusion. It's that's it's, not unusual for me, but still, it's, it's unfortunate because um, you know I I did not want to stop them from doing what they want to do. I don't believe that trademark is a tool to stop somebody else from pursuing their thing. If somebody came out with an evil twin beer and they were just starting out, I'd be like, dude, get away from me. You right. know, go choose something else. Right. It, it isn't that important to you. This is a guy who's a twin, who's been running evil twin brewing in his country and been doing, you know, doing his thing. And right. now he's come to the U.S. It's like, well, you know, that is important to him. That is his brand. That is something that, you know, means something to him. I'm not going to ask him to change that. Right. What I want to do is license him. So we gave them a, a free license to use Evil Twin in the U.S. And we also asked that he not oppose us uh, if we used Evil Twin elsewhere in the world. Right. So it was a mutual thing. It was a handshake. It was like, okay. And you sell elsewhere in the world. You yes. don't sell just in the yes. U.S. Right. That's an important thing. That's a key consideration to think of when you're doing any kind of settlement like this. Where do you sell? Where are you going to sell? Exactly. So so here's an instance of where I say, you know, I don't want to stop anybody else. Um, you know, again, if you're just starting out and you're just coming up with a name and putting it on your website, you know, go away. Just pick pick another name. You know, just you know, do something else. Here's an example of somebody who would, who would put effort and energy and, and had a reason for that name. And so I did not want to stop them from using that. I could have. I could have said, no, you're, you're screwed. Choose a, another name in the U.S. But instead, it's like, that's not what I'm about. I, right. You know, I would rather, you know, we focus on, I, I wish there was was less confusion. I didn't think it would be confusing, but apparently it's confusing for some people. Well, it, it's a good example of how you can work things out, right. even when they're really close, yeah. without yeah. having to resort to contentious litigation and spending a lot of money. The only reason we got an attorney involved was to draw up the license to give them to sign. And you, and know, you have to be... It's very go. important. This is a, a quick point. A li- trademark license can be tricky uh, what they call a naked license, where it's just, oh, use the name, sure, whatever. Mm-hmm. That'll kill your trademark. Because you then to be anybody able to can use qual- it. Right. We well, right. had to be able to have some oversight of their quality, right? Mm-hmm. Or have mm-hmm. some some ability some to... restriction on it. Yeah, some restriction. If It's just, a, our, oh, go, go do it. Our, that's, our restriction was that the name Brewing Company be as large as Evil Twin. Because yeah. when they started out, it, Brewing Company was almost illegible. I remember just those bottles evil. very well. It just said Evil Twin. And it's like, just make Brewing Company the same font size and we're good. And so that was the restriction. And we and, and we were able to tell them, run through your labels, that's fine. But you know when you print them again, just, just make it the larger font. There's a and really good beer store near where go. I live. And I remember those bottles very distinctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and right about the time that Heretic started, they came in the U.S. Sheer coincidence, I'm sure. I'm sure it was, wasn't any... That's the way these things happen, believe it or not, right, more right. often than, than, than not. And I remember thinking, gosh, this is this is Jamil's beer? I, there's so much of it. There's like right. five different kinds. <laughs> Evil Twin was... No, it, it, it's... Right. But that was what right when you guys opened up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
and then I remember seeing the the labels before I even knew about any of this stuff. Okay, now it's Evil Twin Brewing Company. Now I understand what's going on. Right, right. And I and I think most consumers. I mean, there might be the initial confusion, but again, I think you know the craft beer drinker, you know, is is much more sophisticated and able to discern you know what's going on. I'm going to realize pretty quick that disco beer isn't uh, Evil Twin. <laughs> there you go. Right. So, uh, you know, I, uh, what's great about that is we're able to work it out. Um, you know, nobody really paid anything uh, for to yeah. anybody. You know, we all just kind of, yeah, all right, here. We figured it out, and we're able to move forward. And that's the and way you should be able to yeah, handle these things they, they do virtually thing, all the do time. Our thing, and, even when they're uh, that close. What I really want to do... Um, uh, Yippa and I, we, we, we had talked about doing a, uh, a collaboration together, and I still want to do that uh, now that we've got the new facility open. So uh, hopefully that'll happen. Eventually. That would be awesome. Yeah. And it, and it, I'll know, wait in line for that beer. I think that's where the kumbaya comes in, you know. Um, but, uh, you know. Yeah, Brewer's Code doesn't mean is, letting someone run over you. Brewer's right. Code means you work it out, exactly. and you don't you don't fight each other, but you come to an agreement that everyone can live with, and you go on with yeah. your business. Trademark's not a dirty word. It's just you know, uh, you know, a tool for you know protecting yourself, so you have a position to stand on when you're working with other people. You know, yeah. so they can't, like you're saying, just crush you and and you're nothing. Right. So you need some way to defend yourself and say, wait, wait, wait. I, I've been working on this. You exactly. Know, let, me, let me exist. Well, let me let me pull out another uh, aspect to, all, to trademark. Um, and that's, you know, our names. I mean, you know, Jamil, you are well known. I'm well known. And it's not inconceivable that someone else in the beer industry would try to use our names to their profit. Mm-hmm. And that's another aspect of tra- you know ha- filing a trademark. Uh, like I, I've filed trademark on my name, so that you know I can control the use of my name. Yeah, that's an excellent excellent point, John. Uh, the reality is, uh, you don't, and people are shocked to hear this. You don't have a constitutional right or any right to use your own name as a trademark. Now, it may be possible for you to do so. But mm-hmm. you don't have a right to. It comes down to who does it first. And mm-hmm. one of the classic cases... It's all these freaking John Smiths in the goddamn world. Well, if you're uh, Jamil Zanishak, right. probably is going to be able to use the name as a unique identifier. I think, I'm, I think I'm pretty protected as the only person in the world with my name. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think so. And frankly, I picked my daughter's name. My, my wife and I, we picked our daughter's name in part because it was a unique name that no one else on earth had without us having to make a name up. You called uh, it USPTO? No, we used to be as oh. uh, actual real names. We didn't make up you know, weird combinations of letters. But uh, the uh, classic case for this is the Gallo uh, Winery. So mm-hmm. the Gallo brothers in like the uh, 70s or 80s, Ernest and Julio Gallo had a third brother. They were all heirs of the, the, the classic, the patriarch Gallo, who built mm-hmm. up the, the wine industry in Central Valley to be so big. It really dominated the whole jug wine, dominated U.S. wine industry as a whole for so many years. Uh, so Ernest and Julio came up with, uh, you know, of course, the wine coolers and all that stuff. Their brother, who didn't want to do wine... Bob Gallo? 
Yeah, Bob Bob Gallo, uh, you know, Chuck or something, decided he wanted to make cheese. Okay, that's, that's cool. We all do what we want to do. Mm-hmm. And he sold the cheese under the, his name. It's like uh, Gallo Cheese. Gallo yeah. Cheese. Yeah. And thus began an epic and uh, really contentious battle, because no battle is more contentious than a family battle, right. uh, over the use of the Gallo name. And he Especially once lost. you have money. Oh, the worst combination is a family battle when there's money. Money, yeah. Because, oh, oh my God, no one, no one will, yeah, people will, the, the lawyers, and believe me, I'm a lawyer, I like to get paid, the lawyers <laughs> love family, like work and feed your family. Fa- rich family disputes. Because, oh God, it becomes a matter of, quote, principle, mm-hmm. and people will spend infinite money Jesus. for stuff like that. So and it became, how did he uh, lose? He lost oh, because he... Uh, different, it was different class category. The mark, what the mark had become what they call famous, right? Something like, let's say, right. Ma- something like McDonald's. Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. McDonald's, yeah. Even though Coca-Cola doesn't have any registration for beer. If right. I if I if wanted I to make, make a, a Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola beer, pale ale... Right. I'm gonna no I'm gonna get creamed yeah. because Coca Cola is oh, so dominant. Oh, yeah, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, there's there's no way I'm gonna win that. And Gallo was such a dominant brand, especially at the time, that right. uh, he he lost uh, the cheese guy and that's had to go ridiculous. call it something. Especially else. since you know he's part of the family. It's, yeah. it's like it's his name. But the point is, you know, even if it's your own name and you wanna you wanna have Smith Brewing Company. And you're really proud of that? I right. I would almost guarantee you somewhere in the U.S. there's a Smith well, Brewing Company. Well, there's an Smith. It's a Samuel Smith. Right. Uh, I mean, God God help you if right. you're Samuel Smith and you want to start a brewery. I mean, sorry, dude. <laughs> you I, lost already. You have to I, call it something else. I do think, you know, in, in the craft beer world, if somebody's using their name mm-hmm. uh, and they haven't changed their name, it's like they're name for generations and they want to open, like, Johnson Brewing Company, then... You know, I, I think most people would just let it go. I think they'd, they'd be like, okay. Yeah, and, and a compromise that often happens is, I, I love the Anchorage beers. They're not involved in any trademark dispute. But if you've ever had an Anchorage Brewing Company beer, they have that little teeny picture of the brewer, and mm-hmm. his name is kind of on the bottom left of the, the, the label. Uh-huh. Uh, and it, there's nothing wrong with having a non-trademark use to factually state that, hey, I'm Samuel Smith, and I brewed this beer. Uh-huh. Right, you can fact it's, it's a true fact. You're uh-huh. not using it as a right. trademark. If right. if you end up calling it something else, you know, you call it yeah. uh, you know a beer, yeah, whatever right. kind of beer. Uh, you're you're allowed to truthfully Dick's state sniffer. to yeah. use your name, but using it as a trademark is a different matter. Uh, interesting, interesting. Yeah. Um, as a side note, uh, Stone and Heretic and uh, Anchorage Brewing are are doing a a uh, collaboration. Awesome in 2014. When when will that be available? Twenty fourteen. Uh, <laughs> what did you, have you guys figured out? What kind of beer it's going to be yet? Or liquid? Well, awesome. Pretty much by definition, because all three go. of you guys make awesome beer. It's going to be fun. I I'm just thrilled. I'm just I I don't care what happens. I'm just totally thrilled to go down and <laughs> hang out. I'm going to go so down and you, hang so out. You're at doing Stone. it at, at Stone. At Stone. Okay. Gonna be totally cool. You're not going to like all meet in Fairfield because it's kind of in the middle. Well, now, now, now. Well, uh, Tasty and Mitch and I are going to brew a beer at Heretic. Damn, just, dude. I'm going to spend a lot of time at Heretic in the next, next year. That's going to be great. Fun. Yeah. 
I mean, it's it's that's not an official like that might be an IPA. I'm guessing three friends getting together. How would you know? Three <laughs> three friends getting together and then making a beer. So that's that's nothing. I don't three wanna... guys brewing. Huh? Three guys brewing. Yeah, exactly. Well, actually, three guys hanging around looking while Chris and Warren make it happen. <laughs> nice. I like that better. Oh yeah, that's that's my thing. All right. Uh, any questions from the chat? Yes, there are a few. Let's get through them uh, quickly. There's oh, so the first thing is there is a heretic. Uh, the chat says there's a heretic registered in wine. Yeah, is this absolutely. a potential issue? What's the deal? Well, that was the potential issue when we uh, filed for trademark. The potential for confusion between the wine and the beer, and uh, you know our attorney, you know, filed the thing that said, look, there's not going to be confusion. First off, beer and wine aren't sold like smack dab in interchangeable bottles. You're you're looking at, you know, one product that's sold here, one product that's sold there. You know, there and a number of other things as to why there would not be a confusion. You go to Safeway and beer is in even they're in the same cooler, but maybe beers at one end and wines at the other. You're not gonna mistake well, the wine two. Wine doesn't even tend to be in the cooler. Yeah. Wine tends to be on the warm shelf, beer tends to be in the cooler. And also um uh Heretic is a one of the wines a a winery makes and the winery has a its own name and then heretic is the name of the brewery not the brands we make so that was also uh taken into account I believe. it's a so. it's a good example of the idea of different classes and likelihood of confusion right. and how you have to argue to get uh-huh. your your mark through sometimes and where an attorney is quite valuable to you in making because if i had done this as as an individual i would have fucked it up and we wouldn't have heretic as a brewery so there you go here it is yeah is this at the cypher winery out of paso paso robles uh with the 2009 heretic a, a petite syrah anyway. right and I, I don't think they've made it since 2009 or whatever so Okay, well, here we go. Um, let's see. There are different groupings in determining distinctiveness. How is this the secondary meaning of descriptive marks determined? Uh, is it better to use arbitrary or fanciful marks as they are less likely to be copied, you know, and have more protection? Okay, there's a couple of things packed in here. And, yeah, there's a hierarchy of, of marks. So a word you make up, like uh, Google, that's your strongest mark. Because it's something you told Xerox. No, I've seen, I've seen a Google. I've literally seen a Google um, hair salon. Oh, <laughs> good lord! Like, where is this? Like in Pakistan or no, something? No, 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 no. This is in the U.S. Really? Yes. Google Google hair salon. Okay. I'm like, um, got to be a problem here. Yeah, Google is so big, they're not going to... It's below their notice to even look at one hair salon at a right, place. Right. But, I'm like, that's clearly in violation. Dude, you know, but, uh, make uh, up a different name. What you uh, A word you make up from scratch it's is very considered strong. arbitrary or fancy. It's very strong. Yeah, because uh, it, it, yeah. a word that didn't exist before, you right. created a word uh, or a phrase or whatever that never existed versus using words... Uh, you know, Heretic Brewing Company, all that existed before. It's just, you know, an arrangement of words in a in a brand. It, it's very typical in Silicon Valley. And you come up, you look at these companies, and, like, you can't tell what they are or what they do because right. there's some slow. weird assemblage of consonants or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not been a lot of that it's in, like in a craft It's like a Polish beer. surname. Exactly. You know. 
Uh, but I, I, frankly, I expect we'll see this more maybe in the next 10 years than has been. Mm-hmm. Uh, look at the evolution of you know, blank brewing company, fill in your city, mm-hmm. to things mm-hmm. that are more like you know, heretic or something that the word heretic isn't necessarily associated with beer other than the fact that it's attached to your brewery. Mm-hmm. I think you'll see a trend toward people running into issues just making up names for their, their breweries. Yeah. So that's, that's what they consider a strong mark. Now, secondary meaning comes in where you come up, we talked about this before, say a Martinez Brewing Company. Mm-hmm. To be able to make that a trademarkable, a registrable term, you have to show with proof that the public associates that mark with your particular good or service. And that's usually by surveys. So what you, what you might do is five years after Martinez Brewing Company is in business, you hire someone to do a survey, and they survey the area, they survey the relevant market, and you know, 75% of people say, oh yeah, Martinez Brewing Company means that place that's down on Main Street uh, that has that great beer. That's secondary meaning. But God, you're setting yourself up for expensive and long-haul battle if you're going to rely on secondary meaning to get your registration. It's best to avoid that altogether if you can. Mm-hmm. Okay, what is incontestable status in terms of implications and feasibility of obtaining it? Well, that's a good question. You have some sophisticated listeners uh, on today. So incontestability means that... uh, You sound like Palmer, for God's sake. (laughs) Yeah, there's some... Could you guys at home hear the sneezing? And I I ask that because I can't hear the guys at home. Uh, Incontestability means that five years after your registration, uh, someone that wants to challenge the validity of your mark can't challenge certain certain grounds of that. Uh, And that has to do primarily with you can't say, oh, that mark's descriptive or, or it lacks secondary meaning. Uh, it becomes, it, it reduces the options that a defendant has to attack your mark. Now, they can still attack your mark on a number of different grounds, that it was, was fraudulently procured, that it was abandoned, that you've stopped using it. Uh, you can still attack the mark, but it does provide it with an additional level of strength. So what will happen is when you come up on your five-year renewal the trademark office will essentially send you that email or you'll log on to the website and you'll see that uh, or your option. your attorney will take care of it for or you. Or better yet, your attorney will take care of that and they'll essentially check the box for incontestability. I think you may have to pay an extra nominal fee to achieve that status, but it's they worth want, doing. They always want another hundred bucks. The trademark office will do anything, like the patent for office, as long bucks. as you pay them. Yes, right. They love to get paid. It's federal government. They like to yeah. get paid. Uh, does legal action on trademarks usually just result in an injunction against use, or are monetary settlements common? Most legal action ends did up you, settling. Did you submit all these questions yourself? No, these are all Spider Wrangler. Spider Wrangler. Wow. He, he, he did his research. Jesus Christ, that guy He's is, on it. He, he is a value and a treasure to the show. He's, he he, he really is. i got to start listening live more often Jesus and contributing Christ. like this guy does. Yeah, he's he's yeah. always got the good questions. He's got like, he's like Googling something. I don't know. Spider's the man. Yeah. Damn. So most legal action in reality ends up settling. You don't want to go through trial. If you go through a trial, you're ponying up 50 to 100K just to, just, just to sit down at the table. Mm-hmm. And a small business doesn't have 50 to 100K to screw around with trademark litigation. Uh, if That's you'd... why I'm telling you the small business tool is 
I'm representing. Telephone? Yes, the, exactly. I'm representing and the yeah, telephone. And the telephone. Those, those are good tools. So if, if you go through litigation, usually the winning party uh, can get an injunction. There is, it's possible to get money damages. Usually you don't get money damages so much in trademark cases unless there's really bad faith on somebody's part. Let's do say, you, do you have the, to prove that it cost you a certain number of sales or that it it's, you know, because... I guess like, okay, so Dick's Snifter is a fine craft beer. Um, Somebody else comes out with a crappy craft beer, and people taste it, and they think it's horrible, so they won't buy Dick's Snifter. I have to prove that I lost X number of you know, potential sales or... You make that argument. I mean, damages are really flexible as far as what you ask for and what you can prove. There's no limitation uh, to them? Or? No, but it, there's... Uh, other than kind of the, the reality... It's just reality and what the judge is willing to grant. And in yeah. most trademark cases, primarily it's an injunction. And that's why it's almost always that and the cost. You're not going to go into this suit and come out with pockets full of money 99% of the time. Mm-hmm. You know, unless you find that smoking gun email where... You know, Miller Coors has... It's like, oh, we're going to screw them into the ground. I can't wait until we can call all of our beers heretic, because we're going to make a million dollars. Okay, billion, one billion dollars. Uh, absent that, it's going to be really hard to get money damages. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay, one last one. Uh, if agreements are made outside of a courtroom, then what can one do to make sure they are well documented and held to? Get Put an attorney yes. to write it down for you. Yes. The few hundred bucks you're going to spend is well worth it. You're not, I mean, you know, if if your brand doesn't mean anything to you, then do it, by all means, do it yourself, you know, or Google it and, you know, copy and paste. Absolutely. But if your brand is worth more than a few hundred bucks, um, I suggest an attorney. Yeah. Write it down, sign it, you know. Part of a, another aspect, unless the settlement itself is confidential, I was going to mention earlier, social media is really an important tool, whether you're a plaintiff or a defendant. You know, tell your honest, true story. Don't spin it. Don't... Oh, that's the problem is people are like, oh, my God, I'm getting screwed. So, I, so you know, a number of people... That, that so, can happen. So Let me tell you a little story. So, um, somebody who was not selling any beer... Who was like, you know, a home brewer thinking that they're going to make a beer using our name and like post it on their website. And then you call them up and just like, uh, you know, it's just important to you. And they're like, oh, no, I haven't even made the beer. It's like, okay, would you mind calling something else? Oh, no, no problem. The story later on is I got a letter from their attorney telling me that to cease and desist or... They'd sue me and all that. Truthfully, that's what happened. And yeah. so other people have heard the story of how we're, we're going to... A letter for... My attorney has not sent out any letters. Right. And we have not threatened to sue anybody. And that's the story that comes up. No, and from that's, a home brewer who was, you know, thought that they could use the name and do well and then, you know... And, and that's an outright lie. Most it's people, most lie. people won't outright lie, and or then, at least some won't. But some will. But they will. But lie. they will see. They'll see it through their filter. Exactly. So it is their, the truth as far as they're concerned. Exactly. Yeah. And they'll get on social media and they'll do all that and do damage to you when 
it is totally false. And you know, it's a little bit and different topic. And you have topic, no defense. Uh, but you know, social, social media, media is your, your own social media. You just stay transparent. Don't get distracted by that yep. stuff. And the thing to do is possibly, if you want to be able to shame the other party, take your agreement, as long as the agreement itself is not confidential, post that to your Post well, see, that to the company Facebook now, page. Now hey, you problem. know what? Here's uh, we've all agreed we're cool. Here's your problem. If you call somebody up on the phone, there's no record of that. No, there's not. Right. You say, hey, what what's the deal? You know, it's just important to you, and they're like, oh no, I haven't even brewed the beer. Um, you know, would you document that? This is why. I no, well, and yeah. actually, what I would have asked everybody that I've called, I've said, would you mind sending me an email say, saying that? you have no need for that and you know everything's cool and and all that it's a good idea and then and then they do and and then you know i figured well that's good enough but then the story comes back later on they've talked to other people you know they're they're not posted anywhere but they talk to other people oh yeah they threatened to to sue me (laughs) it's like what the sad sad thing is there's no defense against crazy yeah Yeah, there you go that's, that's sadly the reality of crazy is you really can't do a lot about it yeah yeah Ah, so much when you're when you're dealing in trademarks or dating people. <laughs> so always the psycho uh, person that you meet uh, in the bar, and then you realize that you've gotten yourself in far more trouble than you ever imagined. Boiling rabbits and stuff. Oh yeah! If that is all it was, that would be wonderful. All right, uh, excellent show. Um, Brian, what are you doing? Are you still working corporate, or do you are you get your own practice? Yeah, so uh, uh, Brian Shar, I'm uh, uh, working at a company, so I haven't been in private practice for for many years. Uh, I just kind of prefer that for uh, I like being close to the uh, the technical people, like not mm-hmm. having to worry about billable hours. Kind of always the concern if you're in private practice is, gosh, where are my clients? Where are they coming from? How many hours am I Well, billing? and that whole thing of, oh, attorneys are just trying to screw people by, you know, billing hours and things like that. I'm sure you don't want to, you're not the type of person that wants to deal with that. You, you I, wanna, I don't want to mess with that. You want to you wanna use your mind and you want to work hard and you want to, you know, be part of a solution. I know you. Exactly. I've known you for a number of years. And so, Thank you. Um, I, I know that's just, you know, that's, that's why I could never do it. I'm, I'm not in, I can't sell anything. I can't, I'm. Says a man who's selling beer for a living. Yeah. Oh, and it just sucks. I mean, I want to brew beer. That's got to be the hard part. I want to sit on the couch. That's it. Yeah. I, I'm a, a I local, have salespeople. I'm a local home brewer. Words of wisdom. I'll give him a big shout out. There you go. Uh, down in the uh, Silicon Valley. So we make a uh, good Silicon Valley beer and, uh, uh Definitely a part of the whole Bay Area brewing scene. Susie is one of our not only mem- one of our members. She's our president. Is she really? She's is our that, president. She has large breasts, and that's why she's been. I was more, saying it's more just because she's awesome. And she's oh. been our president for about a year because she has large. Yeah, why breasts. do you think she's awesome? Yeah. Yeah. Because she gets stuff done. She's like our oh, den mother. Oh, please. Oh, yeah. Mother. Yeah. Yeah. Breastfeeding. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm just saying. It just seems obvious to me. No, I felt God, God made love that, Brian feel, feel bad. No. I don't know, I'm, I'm smiling. Oh, Susie, you, you, you'll, you'll be seeing Susie probably before I do. So if she's gonna gonna kick anybody's ass, it'll be yours, not mine. Won't be mine. I won't be here. Yeah, there you go. Sunday session will be me. Get their, yeah. their balls kicked. Moscow yeah. is going to be taking the brunt of that. Yeah, and it'll be it'll be fun. I suspect. <laughs> no, 
No, no, no. Well, thank you so much for spending the time and, and doing all this. Uh, thank you for having me. It's been I a real blast. Uh, it's been yeah, a really show. interesting show. Very educational. I, th- I think we went uh, two hours in, in a one-hour show to, to do it. Uh, <laughs> I hope you had nowhere to run. but uh, I sat by the door to make sure these guys couldn't get out. <laughs> no, I, th- I, I think it's very educational and uh, very valuable to our listeners. And uh, if you like this sort of thing, I would suggest very strongly that you uh, go to BlickmanEngineering.com, check out their stuff, send them an email, tell them you appreciate that they paid for the show so you could listen to it for free. And uh, if you feel even more guilty, check out the Brewing Network store. Go to uh, TheBrewingNetwork.com slash store. There's uh, thongs, there's dildos, there's... Uh, no, that's the wrong spot. Oh, okay. all right. That's Adam and Eve. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's uh, thongs. There's no, growlers. The, there you oh. go. <laughs> there's growlers. There's hoodies. There's books. There's all sorts of good stuff. And when you buy this stuff, it goes to the bottom line of the Brewing Network and really helps stuff like this uh, keep going. And uh, you can sign up for things like the AHA. You sign up for the BrewingNetwork.com. The Brewing Network gets a small slice of that, and you get great things going on in uh, your homebrew community. Until then, brew strong, everybody. Brew strong. Brew strong.